0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Right, a warm welcome to Scorebox. Karen Cho and myself, Steve Sedgwick, are your anchors and these are your headlines. U.S. equities extending declines, with the S&P 500 slipping below its 50-day moving average. But the New York Fed president, John Williams, says a deep recession is not inevitable. When you say there's a risk of recession, it doesn't have to be like
1: a 2008 uh, recession. Um, It doesn't have to be calamitous. Uh,
0: The French finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, telling CNBC he trusts the ECB will make the right decisions on inflation as he backs calls for emergency measures to tackle rising energy costs.
1: This is of the utmost importance to change the rules of the European energy market. You cannot have this connection between the price of gas and the price of decarbonated energy.
2: Russia tightened the taps, holding gas supplies to Europe via Nord Stream 1, citing maintenance issues, bringing further disruption with the pipeline already running at 20% capacity. Chinese factory activity drops in August, extending monthly declines as COVID flare-ups and power rationing adds pressure to producers.
0: And Mikhail Gorbachev, who was, uh, I think it's fair to say the architect of the end of the Cold War, has died aged 91 with world leaders paying tribute to the last Soviet president and Nobel Prize winner. Good morning, how are you?
2: I'm well, thank you, I you? How didn't are think you? I was going
0: to say hello to you, then, I was going to straight into the breeze, but I thought Adam's back, the, the, the chief director, so I thought I'd test him early on as well, and and, and well he uh, stood up to the challenge. But look, I, I read, and I've got to get this off my chest very on. I read perhaps one of the most ridiculous tweets I've read for a long time yesterday, what? and I almost replied, you know I don't tweet very often, but I almost replied, I Just ride a, you out the corner. aghast, yes, I, <laughs> I didn't though, I held myself back, because my, my, my main bread and butter is chatting to you and Jeff, uh, and it said, uh, I said, he was very proud. It was a, a central banker of some description, a chief economist chap, uh, and said, I'm, I'm very worried. And he'd written a letter to the Financial Times, and you can probably find it on the FT very I'm very worried about central bankers chest beating uh, over inflation, almost like a war of aggression, see who can be the most machismo or mm-hmm. most macho regarding. And I thought the to myself, talk-ish. hang on a second, this is a European central banker or former central banker who's worried about chest beating in Europe. We don't have an interest rate in Europe at the moment. We have zero. I mean, I, I believe that's going to change fairly soon. But we have zero interest rate in Europe at a time when the German CPI for August hit the highest level in 50 blooming years. I put blooming in there just to make the emphasis on the point as well. And he's worried about chess beating?
2: I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, if you think about how swiftly central bankers have changed their language from we'll do language, whatever it, that's it takes. That's very important what you just right. said there.
0: Language. So they right. changed their verbal intervention.
2: But you almost put yourself in a box if you are changing direction and now what we have is a whole series of central bankers that are very keen to prove their Volcker-like characteristics that we are now in this inflation hawk camp and that is quite dangerous if we have uh, conditions that change again because the narrative has been set everybody wants to prove that they're not going to unlock these uh, ridiculous inflationary expectations they're keen to anchor those expectations Mm. and there seems to be one policy action now which is jumbo size Well I think there's two That seems to be the only policy.
0: I think there's two, and I think one is real action, the other one is verbal intervention. I think they all love the idea that they're so omnipotent. Well, you're not. They think they're so omnipotent, and I'm not either, that they can actually move markets by their words. And they're not all uh, as strong as uh, the the Saudi energy minister who can move markets by their words, I can assure you.
2: We've still had a fairly sizable move by the ECB. The first rate hike was a large leap, and I think that was the point that was made by Philip Lane this week, that perhaps these uh, increases should be chopped up. The pathway should be changed to an extent. And and that's not what they we're seeing from central banks, though, if, at this point.
0: If you chop them up, they won't get there. We're, what, are you 25 here? Another 25 in three months? Another 25 thereafter, after, And guess what? The European recession will go slam dunk into those rate highs and they'll never get there. They'll never tame what, the inflation what is the end dragon.
2: goal? A higher terminal rate? Or is it to avoid a recession and tackle inflation at the same time? I mean, I, I think... the that was the point that's been made. You've got central bankers now keen to prove that they can get the interest rate up, but at what cost?
0: I'm in trouble already with Adam, so I better move on. And by the way, did you see my jolts data? Yes. <laughs> well, it wasn't my jolts, it was of course. Quite a wasn't job, I? Wasn't it? it was very <laughs> interesting. Uh, right, the SP 500 shared more than 1% in Tuesday's trade, slipping below the 4,000 mark for the first time since July. To be fair, July was only a few weeks ago. Uh, and closing below its 50 day moving average. The US benchmark index has lost more than 1.5 trillion. In market cap since Jerome Powell's speech at Jackson Hole on Friday, in which the Fed chair said interest rates will continue to rise and remain elevated until policymakers are sure that inflation is brought under control. All sounds very uh, sensible to me. Job opening figures here we go. Uh, what well I'm Brit, you knew I wanted these. Job opening figures out of the US pointed to more significant tightness in the labour market. Some 11.2 million jobs uh, were counted in July, up from 11 million, which is uh, an up dated figure, by the way, from the previous month. The data is likely to encourage hawkishness from the Federal Reserve. Can I just tell you one more bit of data from those figures as well? Just before we move on to the buy, Adam likes me segueing off. Right, here we go. God, I need my glasses. There are now 1.98 job openings for every unemployed individual in July. That's basically two, yeah? Even I can do that. Uh, the New York Fed President John Williams has indicated the ceiling for policy rates would now exceed 3.5%, whilst also effectively ruling out, here we go, ruling out, oh, you got this one wrong, didn't you, Markets? Ruling out a rate cut in 2023. Meanwhile, the Richmond Fed Chair Tom Barkin said he expects price pressures to remain volatile before ultimately settling back to normal levels. After a decade of extreme stability has been replaced by two years of extreme volatility, I'd expect inflation to bounce around on its way back to our target. Um, Think of it as the aftershocks of an earthquake. It just takes time for, uh, for things to settle.
2: big moves for the month of August on these major markets as we look to wrap up the month of August. It was one where investors were initially hoping for this power pivot disappointment around Jackson Hole that in fact it uh, was the market pivoting doing a U-turn around some of the expectations that rates will start to moderate at some point and perhaps even be cut next year. But again further pushback as we saw overnight John Williams pushing back against that notion for 2023 and this is where we've ended up over the course of the month down more than 4% on the Nasdaq. Tech stocks in particular, hard hit, 3.5% down for the S&P 500. And for the Dow, similar range, 3.2% south. And if you consider the main constituents here, it was tech that was leading the charge lower, but also support coming still through from other quarters of the market. As you weigh up the monthly performance, energy was still the best performer, up 3.1% at a sector level, despite uh, what has been a fairly vicious month for the trade overall on spot prices. The energy complex on the stock side managed to hold up okay but technology clearly the undercurrent here if we can switch over the charts you can take a look at the big tech stocks over the course of the month the big leadership often came from microsoft to the upside and that stock itself down more than six percent over the trading month 2.2 percent off apple Across the board, I think you're seeing how investors are positioning against some of these big-name stocks. Twitter, with its own woes, still around Elon Musk. You can see down 5.5%. Alphabet, uh, a similar-sized decline. And again, this is a bet on the the valuations of some of these high-growth companies and what's in store as we go into tighter monetary policy and perhaps slower growth conditions. Amazon trading lower by 4.6%, but by far the biggest drop in Intel, down 11%. And over the course of the month, we're hearing about perhaps a glut starting to build up in some areas of the chip industry not all of them of course but some particular parts Intel uh, are suffering those double digit declines I mentioned the downside but also a lot of moves to the upside during the the month of August and the US 10 year treasury yield was one that demonstrated uh, those moves and don't forget we started out to the month roughly around uh, the 2.5% mark we've climbed all the way up as you can see uh, to this point above 3% 3 3.1% roughly so it's been quite an ascent 50 60 odd basis points in that trade so it has been a fairly rapid move over a short period of time for markets to weather to the dollar given that high yield environment this is how the dollar has fared we've been trading around uh, some of the highs on the dollar index it has been an incredible turn of events really if you take a look at some of that volatility on foreign exchange markets it wasn't so long ago that we used to talk about the lack of volatility on fx but certainly roaring back to life this year sterling euro have been casualties as you can see over the month. Sterling in particular down 4% parity of course the level hit uh, in the month 10040 where we're roughly trading the dollar index uh, roughly at a a new two decade high and that is really a story around that euro weakness as well. Dollar has been climbing versus the Japanese yen uh, the ascent almost 4% and uh, the index over the month 2.4% pop. Let's get to Mike Coop who is the CIO at Morningstar Investment Management. Mike it was quite month of August uh, certainly not a sleepy old summer month. And just explain what you think that means for markets from here because already we're seeing a lot of bearish bets still as we regroup for the the back half of this year.
3: Morning Karen, lovely to to be with you. Yes, it's um, seems to be that that uh, the old sleepy days of August just don't happen anymore as you say. So for us looking at this in a longer term context, we had viewed uh, many of the sectors that fell heavily as being uh, very overvalued last year, and see this as more of a longer term pattern of the air coming out of heavily overvalued stocks than anything else. And along the way, we've seen that big sell off earlier this year. Then we saw a more recent rally, but the trend down is eerily reminiscent of what happened in the 1999 to 2003 period when the similar. Enthusiasm for innovation uh, and very cheap money pushed a lot of stocks up in price, uh, which then came back down.
2: Well, Mike, we've had the message uh, recently from Jackson Hole that the Fed's not done yet, that it is still trying to tighten policy and get ahead of those inflation expectations. What does that mean in terms of what's already priced into the market and what's still to come?
3: So the Clearly, uh, the central banks have have reached the stage now where they've uh, admitted that they were slow in responding to the rise in inflationary pressures uh, and are seeking to reestablish their credibility in fighting inflation. So there's more of a tone to uh, "we'll do whatever it takes," as you were commenting earlier, um, with some central banks being further ahead than others in this. So the challenge really is that the sources of inflation have been more supply than demand-led, and it's really the demand side that the interest rates can impact rather than the supply side. So there is, uh, it seems reasonable to expect further rate rises given the strength of demand on the in the labour market, but many of the drivers will not be brought down easily by rate rises. Uh, so that's the delicate balancing act that the central banks are going to have to face.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Mike, and nice to see you this morning, sir. Look, um, you you referenced the period uh, circa 20 years ago and and the euphoria that you and I and Karen will remember from that period about tech as well, but something else happened pretty much ahead of that period, actually, and we saw a very tumultuous period uh, in emerging markets. We saw uh, a Russian crisis, we saw an East Asia crisis. So I want to know about emerging markets and whether there are crises there brewing which have any eerily reminiscent qualities to that period in the late 90s as well?
3: Because I know that you're looking at EM as well. Hmm. So uh, emerging markets this time are, are different in the sense that China is a much bigger part of, of both the equity and the bond markets. Uh, so the configuration of emerging markets is is a bit different, uh, less of the some of the boom and bust characteristics that we saw previously Also, uh, there's a greater degree of control over inflation than there was previously, more orthodox policies, uh, generally better quality balance sheets, um, and a little more resilience in terms of foreign currency reserves. So to that extent, what's happened this time around as we see it is that uh, emerging market equity sold off way before developed, uh, and in particular, China sold off heavily last year, uh, in response to the tech crackdown, uh, and then we saw the concerns about the listings in the U.S., and then, of course, we had the property crisis. So actually, for us today, they've already had their their, their crash uh, and offer particularly good value on the equities uh, and a very out of favor. On the bonds, we've also seen many of the central banks there raise rates much earlier and 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 get their interest rates much higher, in some cases higher than inflation. The interesting thing this time round, uh, Steve, is that inflation rates in many of these economies are, in fact, no higher than they are in developed, but their interest rates are much higher.
0: And yet, Mike, a, a point of note, of course, that China's never had a crash at the same scale that we saw in East Asia in 1997 as well. It it negotiated that very well and had its own growth dynamic as well. But look, Mike, um, I I hear what you're saying about the value in the Chinese market at the level considering where we've been as well. And yet the PBOC and others are still easing the terms of financing for mortgage and for loans more generally as well. Is that not a warning sign that actually they haven't necessarily uh, had the full scale of the downtick that we could well see?
3: Well, it's certainly a challenging environment. And to be frank, it's really hard to be confident exactly what's happening in terms of of the latest economic data. What is more clear is that asset prices on the equity side have moved to to price in a fairly poor scenario. And whilst that poor scenario could continue to play out, it means that generally you're getting better value, potentially higher returns than, than what we can see in most other markets.
0: All right, we'll leave it there. So um, you're you're following Mr. Sakera from yesterday being mildly bullish, I would say, uh, on current valuations. How many Morningstar great guests can we get at 6 a.m. in the morning? Maybe we'll do it three in a row tomorrow. Thank you, Mike, nice to see you. Uh, Mike Coop, CIO at Morningstar Investment Management. Right, uh, talking of China, it's kind of way asked. Uh, Chinese factory activity continues to slow in August, coming in under pressure from the ongoing, of course, COVID restrictions, heatwaves, and a crisis-prone property sector. Official manufacturing PMI came in at 49.4, once again falling into contraction territory. However, uh, that was above July's figure and analysts' estimates. Now, this month saw extreme weather conditions lead to power outages and factory closures in China's southwestern provinces, impacting several major manufacturers, including Foxconn. Right, coming up on the show, the French finance minister, Bruno Le Maire, tells our very own Charlotte why Europe needs to overhaul its energy market. More on that interview after the break. And I'm told the podcast, told it's good, Karen.
2: For more on the strength of the US labour market and what it spells for Fed policy moving forward, you can check out the Squawk podcast. We are checking on the end of month performance on a number of different asset classes and we were showing you treasuries earlier, the ascent that we've seen on that US 10 year yield. German bund also dragged higher over the course of the month at perched just off the 1.5% mark. That changed 80% over the course of the month. Very strong signals there for the German market. And what we've got elsewhere too on the commodities trade, energy, a very strong performer for the US markets, but uh, in fact, it was the opposite trade on the markets, uh, although I think I'm ahead of myself. (laughs) I'm going to show you gilts first. 2.72 so we're trading a 46% bounce on the trading month. Let's get to that commodity trade then. We can see uh, how it uh, played out over the course of the month. Uh, 3.8% down on Brent and also reversal for WTI to the tune of 5.7%, despite uh, being a supportive trade on the stock side. Uh, The energy stocks actually are one of the better performers of those US markets. To the Dutch natural gas price over the course of the month, Uh, it's been huge over the year and over the month. You can see we've also rallied. Uh, We have been up 22% uh, Over the year, we're up 263-odd percent.
0: Russian energy giant Gazprom has halted gas flows through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline for 72 hours, apparently of planned maintenance. The state-controlled energy group has already throttled flows into Europe to just 20 percent of capacity, pinning the blame on faulty equipment. European officials say the reduction in deliveries comes in response uh, to western sanctions over the invasion of Ukraine from the Russians uh, and fears uh, any further slowdown would put uh, would put put an already extremely tight energy market under more strain. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has insisted that Germany is equipped to weather a potential further squeeze on Russian gas exports. Uh, Scholz said the decision to restart coal-fired plants Lease LNG terminals and mandate the filling of gas storage facilities have all contributed to improving Germany's energy security situation going into the
4: winter.
0: All of this and many further measures have contributed to us being in a much better situation as far as supply security is concerned than could have been foreseen a couple of months ago. And that we'll be able to cope quite well with the threats that we face from Russia, which is using gas as part of its strategy in the war against Ukraine. We've prepared ourselves, that's clear for all to see.
2: Rating agency Fitch has warned banks in Germany and Italy to stand to be the most exposed to the potential macro shock caused by a cut-off in Russian energy. In its latest note, Fitch said it would cut its outlook for the country's banking sectors to deteriorating, adding they would face weaker loan demand, worsening business outlook and higher impairment costs. The French finance minister Bruno Le Maire has told CNBC it is up to the ECB to make the right decisions on inflation, while he also supported measures to tackle the energy price crunch across Europe. Let's get out to Charlotte Moore. Charlotte, we did see a little bit of breaking ranks over at the ECB. Philip Lane's comments about increments rather than these big jumbo-sized rate hikes. Uh, What did
4: Bruno Le Maire say as he weighed in yesterday? Well, that was interesting to hear his comments also because it was like a bit of a double tone there when he came on that panel to speak to the Employees Association at Medef. uh, On one side, uh, the the interviewer uh, told him winter is coming. Are you worried about a recession, potential inflation, etc.? And he said, look it's still summer, he said that in English, Um, because at the moment, things in the French economy are okay, And he actually confirmed the target of GDP being up 2.5 percent this year. The unemployment is at the lowest in decades, etc., etc. However, you you had also all these very, very tough warnings from the president, from the prime minister on Monday talking about energy shortages, potential rationing of energy and potential very, very tough winters. It was like a bit of a double talk here from uh, the French government. And talking about inflation that like you were mentioning, Karen, when I asked him about his view on those comments from these ECB um, um, officials talking about that they would tighten, that they would needed to tame inflation, they were ready to tighten rates and into recession as well. I asked him how concerned he was about that stance from the ECB.
1: I never make any comments about the decisions or the statements made by the ECB. But the point is that um, the key challenge that we all have to face for the next uh, weeks and the next month is to reduce the level of inflation everywhere in Europe. So it's up to the ECB to take the right decisions, and we fully trust Christine Lagarde and the ECB to take the right decisions, but the key point is to have a decrease in the level of inflation everywhere in Europe. And it's up to the government to take the necessary decisions to provide full protection to our citizens and to our private companies. That's exactly what we are doing with President Macron. The
4: EU Commission knows that they're working on an emergency intervention, and structural reform, the electricity market in Europe. Are you talking to the Commission? Are you making proposals? And you, uh, when do you think this new system will
1: be? I've been talking with the Commission on the necessity of reforming the European uh, energy market for more than 12 months. So I'm deeply convinced that this is of the utmost importance to change the rules of the European energy market. You cannot have this connection between the uh, price of gas and the price of decarbonated energy. There is a need to, as soon as possible, cut the link between the price of gas and the price of decarbonated energy. So uh, I fully trust the Commission to uh, follow on that way. And um, I want to welcome the very last statements made by uh, the President of the Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, on this key issue.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
2: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.